You're listening to Wake Up Tucson. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Good morning. Uh, Francis Albert introducing us into the third hour of Wake Up Tucson. Remember on Arizona Gives Day, we're going to be doing again our special breakfast live remote show at Gap Ministries. So Chef John and the crew are going to be doing an amazing uh, breakfast and you get to watch old Big Mouth here do a radio show uh, and uh, do a lot of good interviews about what they're doing and people doing good stuff in the community. Tia Gloria will love it. It'll be one of those positive three hour kind of things. So um, it'll be, she, she should be front and center. That's all I'm telling you. So go to wakeup.gapmin.com to get your tickets for an amazing buffet breakfast and semi-amazing radio show. Um, one of the uh, places and uh, a lot of nonprofits that we try to support and over the years, Hands of Hope is something that we've uh, done work with in the, in, the, in, the, in the deep past of this show. And we have Matt Merrill here from Hands of Hope. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. Thanks for having us on. And then we have two strapping uh, bicyclists, uh, cyclists, excuse me. Uh, we have Rob Croft and Mark Gold. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Morning. Good morning, Chris. Uh, Matt, tell us what a Hands of Hope is for all the rookies out there. Yeah, Hands of Hope Tucson. We are a pregnancy medical center. We're located in the Tucson Medical Center Plaza. And we offer free pregnancy testing, um, ultra, uh, STI testing and treatment, and free ultrasound. So we answer to a medical director. Um, we're 200 steps from Planned Parenthood and 40 steps from another abortion clinic. And we are a resource to those facing unexpected pregnancy. We also offer free counseling services for those who have faced uh, pregnancy loss of any kind. And how long have you guys been around? We've been around for over 42 years. Yep. It's one of those things that's doing a lot of good work and the average bear doesn't know. So yep, that's why we do good things like this. And you you gentlemen are going to ride your bicycles across the country. So uh, where's where, when and where are you beginning and where are you ending? Well, we're going to start on the 13th of uh, this month, this coming Monday. And we're starting in San Diego. We're going to dip our wheels in the ocean in San Diego on Monday morning. Nice. And then we head out, and uh, we're looking at about a 65, 70-day adventure across the southern United States, ending in St. Augustine, Florida, and Jacksonville, and dip our wheels in the ocean on that side of the country. And you guys can follow along at bikeforlifetucson.com. Uh, so let's talk about, before we get to the idea of you guys doing this, and we talked about how fun going through West Texas is going to be for you guys. God bless you. Uh, why is the work of Hands of Hope, we'll start with Mark, why is that work of Hands of Hope so important that you decided that you wanted to do this ride? Well, probably, I don't know, maybe back in, in the summer, uh, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do something. This this journey for me started probably when I was about 17, the junior in high school. Okay, tell me about and, it. And, uh, you know, that was right when Roe was handed down. And uh, and it, it just set, set me to thinking, you know, this just isn't right, what people are doing. And uh, so I've been conservative all my life as far as uh, that goes, you know. And uh, pretty much politically, you know, I voted. only thing I've ever been able to do is vote the way I felt I never was able to do anything that uh, that fulfilled me other than voting the way I thought I should vote 
And so I, I got... And that's the, not always very fulfilling. Yes. <laughs> well, nowadays. Uh, so uh, I just started thinking, and I actually contacted... I mean, I knew I could ride a bike. I've been riding a bike for a long time. And uh, I just started thinking, what could I do? So uh, I actually contacted through email a couple of uh, different... Uh, pregnancy, national pregnancy centers, you know, national right to life, all that kind of stuff. And no, no response at all. So I came home and, uh, I told my wife, I said, uh, man, I'm just not getting any traction here. She said, well, call hands of hope. And I'd never heard of hands of hope. And this was in like October. And so I looked them up. I went on, went on, uh, online and looked at a little bit of what they were about and I thought, man, this might work. So I went in. I actually went into Hands of Hope and the receptionist. I talked to the receptionist there, and I got kind of my first glimpse of, of, uh, uh, man, this this might work. We might be able to pull this off riding across the country. I, I want to go back. Seventeen-year-old um, guy. Where'd you grow up? Germany, pretty, pretty much Germany. Uh, Dad was worked for the government. He gotcha. wasn't in the Army or the Air Force or anything. He was in the Air Force, but at this time, he just worked for the government. So Service. why did Roe v. Wade even make a dent in the head of a 17-year-old man in the 80s? In well, 70s, excuse me. Yeah, it hit the news, and uh, and I started thinking about it. I don't know why it did, uh, but it did, and I just it just didn't seem right to me. Why would anybody do this? Why would anybody actually kill, in my opinion, their own flesh and blood? And that has stuck with me forever. And uh, so we, you know, talked to, eventually talked to Matt, and he he was receptive. It gave me more hope. Uh, eventually talked to Joni, and uh, she gave me a lot of hope, CEO down there. And, man, it's just taken off from then. It's been really, really good. We've raised a lot of money so far. And uh, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to raise uh, $100,000. And uh, we just want to we just want to help. We want to help women. And what's what's been cool about this from talking to Matt and all the, the, the folks down at Hands of Hope, you know, a lot of people when they're faced with this, you know, I'm pregnant, I'm 18 years old or whatever, however we're there. What am I going to do? You know, they got parents involved. They got the dad involved. They got so many things involved and it's pretty traumatic. Sure. So we what we want to do as we go across the country is make it aware to people that there's that there's there's hope that there's help and they don't have to do what maybe they're contemplating doing they don't have to do that so if we can if we can save one life it'll be worth every stroke rob how about you what's your journey to this uh, bicycle race for hand this bicycle trip excuse me to uh, for hands of hope well about i've been riding a bicycle my whole life <clears throat> uh, since i was a, a young kid and commuting on bicycle and then about three years ago i decided uh, i'd been dreaming a long time about doing a cross-country bicycle ride so about three years ago i put together a plan and i did it i went from san san diego to at that time savannah georgia because the covid hit and it was a crazy time to be on a bicycle out in the middle of nowhere right but anyway i did it and and mark uh, was a, a, a big well, fan i don't of understand why that's the ultimate in social distancing rob by himself uh, 50 miles outside of waco that's, what's that's the, the difference? thing that's the thing that kept me going except some, <laughs> except sometimes the sheriff the sheriff in texas would say hey you can't stay here tomorrow night in this campground so <laughs> anyway 
point is, is that uh, I did, and Mark came out and rode with me the last day of the ride, okay, out there, and so, uh, and he, he took me out to start. So anyway, Mark's been very involved with this. All right, so you guys have ridden together before. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, when Mark um, uh, decided that uh, this was a passion for him, uh, you know, he's he's never done a bike ride like this before, so he's put together kind of a team here, a little bit of a team effort, and my role is really, I mean, we've been buddies for since we were teenagers as well, but my okay. role is really to kind of be a coach and a mentor and uh, help plan and just kind of make sure that things happen. Gotcha. So how do, so when we talk about uh, sponsoring you guys, how does that work? Is that you just, people are just donating? Is it per mile? What, what, how does this, how does this work? They just, yeah. So what's, what is, the Hands of Hope people have been great. They've put together a website, bikeforlifetucson.com, and you can go there. You can read about everything that they do. And uh, so basically they're sponsoring us, uh, and you can read a little bit about Rob, read a little bit about me, uh, and then there's a place there that you, that you can actually donate uh, if you're so willing to do that. Gotcha. And, okay. Uh, so it's the sponsorship. Uh, man, I've been overwhelmed by the generosity of these folks. Absolutely. And it's made one of my dreams come true. And uh, Rob, you know, too. So, you know, we're, we're, we're excited about this. And it's starting to get real. Yeah, you know, it's Monday. getting way damn real. Uh, so you've done this trip before, Rob. So let's talk about it. How do you break it down mentally? This this trip, right? It's not one big. Do you break? I assume you break it down in the kind of spiritual mental legs here. Well, that's true, and and you know the motivations are of various kinds and at different levels and so forth. But basically, when you're out on a bicycle like this, it becomes what you do. And you have to really find a way to get up every day and get the job done, get the miles in. Now, it's very nice to be able to love riding a bicycle, which I really do. And there's a zen about it, okay, when you're out there on the road and, 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 and there's a simplicity about it that's very compelling as well. So uh, we've broken it down. We've got our, our route already all planned out. Now, you know that's not going to be the way it actually works because there's weather days and there's sure. wind and there's uh, health and how you feel and, and all of this. So well, the Western United States seem to clear up just at the right time for you guys to get through. I'm, we're, we're looking forward <laughs> to it, yeah. I mean, it's a, it looks like things are warming up a little bit. Uh, we're actually leaving a little bit later this year than I did three years ago. We I left on March 1st, but I think it's... It's, uh, the good Lord's been uh, uh, helping us figure this out with the weather by letting us go a little bit later. Awesome. All right. Well, um, congratulations on doing this thing. It's a great thing you're doing it for, and it's right in line with what we believe here at the show. So ride hard, ride well. Be safe. We got we to gotta stay calm and pedal on. Love it. All right. Remember, bikeforlifetucson.com to find out more about these gentlemen and their ride for Hands of Hope. And, of course, you can help sponsor their trip across and raise money for Hands of Hope. And, of course, more information about Hands of Hope at handsofhopetucson.org. All right. Well, Matt, thanks for bringing the boys by. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. And keep up the good work at Hands of Hope. Will do. All right. We have uh, Juan Siscomani, U.S. Congressman, coming up at 837. You're on Wake Up Tucson, 1030 of the Voice, local news and talk. So this song is actually about criminals controlling a city. And in, believe it or not, and during the bridge, after the guitar solo, they literally quote funding levels for police, believe it or not. It's called Empire uh, by Queensryche. Ah, uh, there it is. There it is. 
<sighs> Juan Siscomani at the bottom of the hour. What else do we? I want to get off the old, the old tabs. Uh, so think about this. We just talked about um, Wild Bill sent me. I'm not even making that up. That's exactly how Wild Bill sounds like. I'm a Wild Bill uh, sent this um, story. The story from Inc. Magazine about the fastest growing uh, companies over the last 24 months in the Southwest, right? And the old two companies were the Crony Lab living fat on COVID dollars, which is Paradigm, right? Which donated $7,000 to Rex Scott and $4,000 to Sharon Bronson. That, and, and those contracts helped them get to a 3,000% growth over two years. And... Tucson Tamale Company, a real company, 5,000 stores in America, of course, ignored because it's, it's Mexican food made by gringos. So, of course, they're ignored by the city of gastronomy. They're ignored by Visit Tucson and, and of course, most local officials. Now, so then I see this one. Uh, I think also this is on the – we have a, a private Wake Up Tucson discussion group, and this is uh, from bizjournals.com, from the Phoenix Biz Journal. And I also think, I just love saying, as much as I love doing my Ross Perot, I like saying, wow, Bill, right? Tempe-based overnight oats gets a $20 million (laughs) in a Series A round of funding for them to build out a new fulfillment center to make overnight oats. Chris, I have, they have been spending money on Facebook or some sort of ads because everything I read lately has an ad from them on it, you know, <laughs> online, you know, news or uh, Facebook or whatever. So they are they are killing it on uh, on advertising. They, uh, it's it's. I mean, you can't get what's so amazing. And who about, would have thought there was that kind of money, right? So what's amazing about their success, and it, and and really is. Uh, and an amazing example of human beings' laziness. Right, exactly. Right. They're so, making bank on because everybody's lazy. DeSimone loves overnight oats. Me too. It's All good. Right. So I have those little mason jar it's suckers. Really easy too. Right? I got those little jars, little jars, like a mason jar. It's a blue glass with a little white plastic top. And what I do is I fill it up about two-thirds of the way with something called oats. Now, you could use regular milk. I'm sure I'll be derided by some of you uh, Neanderthals out there. I use almond milk, right? And then I fill it with almond milk. Uh, I might put a little cinnamon, maybe a little Mexican vanilla extract. And then I close it and I shake it up and I throw it in my fridge. And uh, I have that for breakfast with nanners and maybe some unsweetened peanut butter in the morning. Okay? It's DeSimone's go-to. Got to keep regular. Remember, old-fashioned oats. Do not use quick oats. Let your body break that stuff down. We don't need the machines breaking it down. You do it. Okay? So, what's this guy's company? It's overnight oats in a package. First thing I thought. I mean, so he... This machine goes by. And you still have to add milk to it <laughs> and let it sit overnight. I'm guessing. No, I don't know. I I'm think, not knocking it. I, I think, think it's in there. Good for them. I think the milk's in there. I think this oh. is. I think this is a refrigerated product. Oh, okay, great. Right. So literally, you just open it up and eat it. 
right? I mean, but literally, I just told you. Let me here, let, let, let me let me do it again for you. This is how you make overnight oats. Very complicated. So take notes. You take the container, you throw the oats in, you throw some sort of milk crap in it, and shake it up. Maybe a spoon or two of yogurt or some chia seeds. Whatever chia you want. Chia seeds. That's another one, right? You can do that. And you shake it. That's how you make. So anyway, this. I hope everybody took notes because it's very complicated. God bless this guy because he just got twenty million dollars. Again, is there? It's true. I, I think I got lost. No, that, so uh, now let me teach you the Escoffier way to do this. Okay. You have to do mice so in place. Pierre, or Esc- no, no mice in place. So Pierre Escoffier, I think he's Pierre. Uh, he said the way you make overnight votes is you take a container. And you put the oats in it about two-thirds of the way, and you fill it up with some sort of milk product, maybe a chia seed. You can do some pecans. That's nice. I do it at the end. Keep them crispy, right? A little drizzle of honey, some if vanilla, you want. maybe. I'm not a big fan of sugar, but yes. And you shake it up, and you put it in the fridge. Overnight oats. But what I'm saying is... I'm going to have to listen to the podcast to, <laughs> to, to get all those steps down. It's like whenever I put a picture of food I make, I always have those like two or three people like, where's the recipe, bro? And sometimes I don't have a recipe, but this is the recipe, okay? Well, I'll write it out later for everybody, okay? My head's spinning. Um, but this guy got $20 million from Sing Capital Partners, BFG, Impatient Ventures, Watchfire, Morrison Seeger Venture Capital Partners, and Vantara Ventures, okay? For oatmeal. We have a thing called the U of A startup tech center, all this jazz, right? And we can't get anything out of here. And the broski making oats is killing us. Killing us. It's not like he's doing stacked housing with containers or something. All right. <laughs> that's another one. That was Stack House, right? Was the name of that company, right? Stack House. That's, like Jerry Stack House from the uh, no- North Carolina. Suggest. <laughs> um. This is a perfect, you want a comfortably, a comfortably Numb song by the guys who did Comfortably Numb off of the Momentary Lapse of Reason. That's another good reason, another description of this place. Little On the Turning Away from Pink Floyd. I'm going to shut up and let Dave do his thing. Ah, Californication. That's uh, another effect on Tucson, Arizona. Uh, before we get to Juan Siscomani, I do want to uh, announce... Uh, in the past, Chris has done a flying aprons cooking class. I've taught how to do Italian food. Me and Juan did birria. We did a meatball class, but I'm happy to announce on Ma- March 29th, Matt and I are going to be doing a flying aprons how to cook overnight oats class. So It'll only be $75. Right? Yeah. It's, it's a 12-minute class. Yeah. But you're going to make the best damn overnight oats you ever ate in your life. It's going to take a lot of work preparing for this class because I, 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 I think I'm starting to get the picture. But I'll talk to Janos and see if he can certify our recipe as a city of gastronomy overnight oat. That'd nice. Be, I mean, this town will buy anything. So uh, let's go right to the phones. Let's go to a friend of the show, U.S. Congressman Juan Siscomani. Juan, good morning, sir. Good morning. Chris, Matt, good talk to you guys. Do you, Morning. Do, do you know how to make overnight oats? This is one of your toughest questions I've ever asked you. No, but I'm pretty good at eating them. <laughs> so yesterday you uh, dropped your first bill uh, in the U.S. Uh, House of Representatives, and uh, it's something that's, uh, I know, near and dear to your heart and very near and dear to the heart of this community, which is has to do with the VA. What's uh, what, 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 what happened yesterday? Well, that's right, Chris. So first of all, thanks for having me on. I always appreciate talking to you guys. And you're right, we dropped our first bill, and 
you got the lingo right. You know, some people say introduce or something. I, I am, I'm learning up here, and it's dropping the bill. And you literally do. You go to the clerk, and, and you drop it in that in that box there, which I did uh, personally. You don't always do that, but but I got to do that as my first bill. And it's it's around an issue that is very near and dear to the hearts of, of pretty much our entire community because it's around around veterans. And our veteran friends may know uh, this issue better than, than most people. And so I'll just quick background on it. This is they, they've been um, the, the, the bill pretty much covers and addresses uh, our veterans that are waiting too long to get their disability claims processed. Then, uh, and that's obviously completely unacceptable. I've been meeting with a lot of veteran groups, both here in D.C. and also in the district, and this kept coming up. So we, we looked into it. What was the, the main issue and the, the reason for this? We have over 70,000 veterans in the district, over half a million in Arizona, and about 70, I mean, 7,000 pending claims just in the Phoenix area alone. So when we started looking at all these numbers, that was, that, that was pretty frightening, honestly, that, that, that veterans have to wait this long to get their claims heard and processed. And the backlog was happening on the legal side of things with, with attorneys uh, on the staffing side. And there's a shortage of attorneys within the VA, and we needed to address that. So this bill incentivizes both law school students that are about to finish law school and entry-level attorneys, um, kind of like a uh, um, uh, an apprenticeship uh, of sort to be able to speed up the process and make these uh, uh, claims caught up and, and get rid of the backlog. And so that's what it addresses. And our veterans should be able to get their cases resolved uh, much quicker. So we're, are we talking about them to qualify for the veterans benefits or I guess that, that's what I'm, I'm missing here. Like why, why, yeah. you know, so why do we need the lawyers on the other side then not just some sort of bureaucrat to figure out whether or not these men and women qualify for Benny's? Well, it's not only it's the benefit, but what they're looking at is uh, if the disability was a result of their service to our country. Right. And that is what needs to be determined uh, because some of these disabilities come for other reasons, but but really the ones that happen because of their service to the country, that's what the VA has to determine. So there is a, a process that goes there, and before they get any answer, they, the waiting time could be up to years before they even you know, get accepted or, or not accepted into their disability claim. So what this does, this doesn't impact what the result would be, but it speeds up the process so they don't have to wait as long to get the news on this process. And hopefully, of course, they'll be uh, taken care of and they, they would get an approval. But that's up to the, the investigation. And some of these are, are the pretty um, technical in, in, in the sense, and that's why they need attorneys looking at this. And we just have a, a large shortage. So this is what that deals with. It, it pays internships for, for the law students, and, and it also incentivizes the, the, the younger attorneys that want to go into. It's kind of like Teach for America, but, but on the attorney side. Um, so I guess, uh, so, you know, it has the level of benefits, people applying for benefits. I know that fluctuates year to year. Did, we, did the federal government just not perceive the, a wave of veterans that need this service? Was there, you know, shrinkage in that area, which we never, you know, that's one place I would never cut stuff. How did we get to a point where people are waiting two or three years? Well, that's a great question. And, and really, we get to this point by several factors. One, uh, like in any other place, there's a, a shortage of workforce. 
less attorneys have been uh, pursuing a career in this field. And at the same time, the claims have increased. So the, there was a law, the PACT Act, which means that the VA now must accept claims connected to respiratory illness and cancers that could be a result of the exposure to toxic burn pits and air pollution, uh, really since we started the, the war on terror in the early 2000s, in order to dispose of batteries or anything else, they were just burning them. And, and our military personnel was exposed to that. And since the PACT Act was passed, those claims are now accepted as well, and they, as they should be. So the, the, the claims and this, this new window of claims has opened at the same time that we, that we are having uh, staffing shortages and issues. So it's about to get worse if we don't do something about this. And that's why this program tackles the current issue, but it's also um, a problem-solving one looking into the future as, as the claims are for sure going to increase. And what, so the internship program, things change as they get through legislation, but this is basically a paid limited time internship for these? Yeah, so this is an, mm-hmm. yeah, this is an internship for those that are in school, obviously, until they're in school. And the incentive for, so while they're in law school still, they get to be in this, they have to complete internships, and some do it in law firms, some do it at the county or the city or in different places. Uh, they, this would be an opportunity for them to to do this. And for working attorneys, there's there's a, um, uh, a, a incentive as a stipend slash student loan uh, uh, forgiveness program of up to six years, ten thousand a year max, which obviously doesn't begin to cover the whole thing, especially on a, on a law school uh, loan if, if they're taking. But it is. A bit of a bit of an incentive there for these young attorneys to be able to get their careers started here, and there are a lot of you know things attached to that. They have to maintain good standing with the bar and so on, or else they would be uh, required to pay the money back. But there, there, there's a lot of those stipulations. But the idea is to incentivize these young attorneys to start their careers here and, uh, and you know serving those that serve our country. Uh, any co-sponsors on the bill? Yeah, we do. So this is a bipartisan bill, and I should have mentioned that at the beginning. Uh, Morgan McGarvey, he's a Democrat from Kentucky. He also serves on Veteran Affairs. He is uh, co-leading this uh, with me. We we took the lead on it, and we wanted to make sure that it was clear that this was bipartisan. And so far, every colleague up here that I've talked to is very interested in, in supporting this. This has an opportunity to go all the way. This was something like this that was passed, an idea that was in this vein last year by the Senate. The House never picked it up. They ran out of time, uh, I was told. So we wanted to start it in the House this time, push it over to the Senate, and uh, th- this has the potential to go all the way. And right now in the divided government, there are um, fewer things than not that, that can really make it all the way to the president's desk and he signs it. From what I'm looking into, this this has that opportunity. Don't want to claim victory yet. A lot of work to do on both sides of the chamber, but uh, we, we have a good opportunity here. Tell me about uh, intrigue with uh, debt limit ceilings and budgets. What's uh, anything? What's cooking this week on that? Well, the, what the conversations have been ongoing on, on our side, and I'm sure on, on the uh, Democrat side as well, but the game changer this week is the president's budget. That's what we're looking at. We'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's a month late. That's, that's for starters. It should have uh, been here a month ago, and especially it, the, the budget tends to be a little late on that first year. The president, they just came in, and you know they're, they're getting their bearings straight and everything. But on, on this one, it's 
three years in and, and the budget is a is a month late. Hey, so Joe, that, Joe Biden's a very new politician in D.C., so leave him alone. <laughs> yeah, he, he just got here, right? He needs Actually, to uh, learn the way. Was he, in federal, was he a senator before you were born? What year did he start in the <laughs> I think so. I think. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I was born in 82, so we'll, we need to do some math there. It is not. It's say not yes. too far from it. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's yeah. close. <laughs> oh man, that's that's good perspective. And I don't consider myself young by any means. I've seen my hair lately; it's gotten more, it's gotten lighter since hey, the last. L- l- look, look what happened to Obama's hair when he got to D.C. I mean, that guy, that guy yeah, went from Chris hey. Rock to Morgan Freeman in eight years <laughs> on, the, on the hair color. U.S. Senator from uh, U.S. Senator from Delaware from January 1973. Yeah. Wow! Wow! Listen, just uh, nine nine years before he's been he's been warming up for a while. So I think uh, this this budget being a month late is uh, you know it shouldn't be. So anyway, we've got we've got that. We want to see what what's on there, and we're we're getting uh, um, maybe uh, rumors on what what may be on there and what they're trying to do, but. I, I want to see the details on it. This is something that, that we're all going to have our eyes on uh, tomorrow, starting tomorrow, and, and the discussions are going to be ongoing on it. So we had uh, Andy Biggs on last hour, and we got talking about there's eight different oversight hearings going on this weekend, yeah. and one that, of course, that's near and dear to our community would be oversight hearings on the border. Mm-hmm. So is there anything you're, you're, you're seeing? I, we know that Secretary Mariarcus is a difficult character to deal with. Well, he he hasn't done much, if, if not anything. That's that's part of the problem because he 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 visited the Yuma border uh, about two years ago, and really nothing came from it. And, and that's the problem. He has the information. There's just no action uh, on anything here. And one thing that that we're doing here on the House with with our new majority is we've been taking the committee hearings to the border to the different communities, not expecting everyone to come to Washington and do these hearings here a lot of people are not able to uh, make the trip and also it it, it's when you look at other members uh, colleagues from florida i mean when we had the speaker uh that that he talked to you for a while we had members from ohio from uh was wisconsin and from oregon and they were um they you know they had never been they've never seen the border this way so these are eye-opening experiences and then, of course, to have the, the hearings here, or I'm sorry, there in, in the district matters a lot. But having hearings overall, they're important. And I've been saying for a long time that this fentanyl crisis has made every border, a every state a border state. Yep. Because now it's tackled and it's infiltrated everywhere. So it's a big issue. And there's a lot of interest from from uh, from all sorts of members. And gosh, even, even after the speaker visited the border, um, the uh, minority leader, Jeffries, also de- led a delegation to the border. So uh, we're, we're leading the way on this, and, and I'm glad to see at least some of our Democrat friends paying attention as well. So I know the uh, the Arizona broadcasters uh, came out to visit you guys uh, at the Capitol, and our good friend Patty was yeah. there. Did, did Patty behave herself in the Capitol building? That's what I want to know. Patty represented you guys way better than what you and Matt would do up here in D.C., <laughs> I'll tell you that. She, no argument. Yeah, we're there. We, we can't even make overnight oats. <laughs> I know. Well, she's a class act, and uh, she was here representing you all very well. She, I think she hadn't been back in, in, in a while, maybe a couple of decades, she mentioned. And 
it, it was like she had never left. I mean, she she was great. She advocated for for what you guys were, are working on, and luckily uh, have a good relationship with you all. That I I'm kind of up to speed on what's going on, but but I, I was happy to host her here. Yeah. She said it was 20 years ago when Joe Biden was in the Senate for 40 years was the last time she was there. So Yeah. yeah this, is, this, this, this talk today has been about uh, memory lane, history lane. So, All right, young man. We'll keep up the good work. And uh, Thank you guys. congratulations on uh, – dro- we don't need you to drop lots of bills. We just need you to drop the right bills. The right bills, exactly. And that's, that's a good extension and a point. I mean, every time that, that we take action up here – Something happens with the federal government, and, and most of the time it, it grows, right? So yeah. you don't, we don't want just to be passing good measures like this one that we talked about today. We have to be stopping bad ones and really just keeping the federal government in check and, and making sure that it doesn't infringe upon local and state state governments. That's uh, The role of government is very important to me, and we'll, we'll keep advocating for that. And listen, I, I really enjoy being here and calling home and giving updates, so thanks for having me on. Uh, even if it's uh, shorter times uh, at whatever point, I want to just drop you guys a line and, and tell you what, what we're working on up here. Sounds just, just fine on our side, amigo. So have a good day and uh, keep up good the good work. You. Later, buddy. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye. All right. That's uh, Juan Siscomani, U.S. congressman, dropping a bill to try to, try to uh, clear up the backlog of cases of people applying for VA benefits. So listener Dave sent us one. It's... Uh, it's David, and it's called Lawless Avenues by Jackson Brown, which sounds just perfect for Pliskin Acres. So thanks for the contribution, David. Wake up. Ah, Pliskin Acres Ballad, Hellhole by Spinal Tap. Just freaking beautiful. Uh, I did get an email from Michelle at Flying Aprons. The... The cooking class that Matt and I are doing on March 29th for Overnight Oats is almost sold out, which is amazing. So we've sold, uh, there's only, there's a 20 student limit on it. And Michelle says we're already at 18 of the 20 sold on Matt and Chris do Overnight Oats. So Matt says you can do dried cranberries as a real nice, so, and I did talk to, uh, I did talk to the city of gastronomy, Matt, and they will uh, get in dispensation. We're, I think we're going to get a, a city of gastronomy certification on uh, on our overnight oats. So as long as um, we have one of our recipes ha- has some well, some sort of item locally in there, we can figure it out. So I'm sure we can find some some hipster you get some basil some, from your garden or something. Well, I was thinking there's got to be some hipster that has some sort of honey crap someplace. Now, if we want to guarantee a city of gastronomy uh, certification of our overnight oats class, um, they said if we can do edible hashish, and edible hashish in the uh, in the in the in the overnight oats, sort of changes the nature of the recipe well, in the class. If we do the drugs in it, then the city of Tucson will fast track our certification. I mean, wow, we 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 know how to scratch the city of Tucson. That belly. escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy oh boy boy oh boy oh boy um remember how i told you about this um santa cruz county rancher uh george kelly and arrested on the 30th quickly uh charged with first degree murder 
Um, you know, we're now seeing the stories that Border Patrol was a regular visitor to this guy's place. It sounds like they would come out sometimes up to 25 to 30 times a month. That's, I guess, what's happened in January. So um, he had his initial appearance on Monday. Um, I mean, George Kelly as well has a very good relationship with the Border Patrol uh, down in, in Santa Cruz County. The gentleman that was shot and killed was found with a camouflage black bo- back, backpack, two-way radio. Um, he had been shot in the back with a bullet going through his body. The bullet has not been recovered, according to tax, uh, tax uh, court documents. This is from Cherry Joe Neff over at the ADI. Um, he's facing one count premeditated first-degree murder. That's interesting. When 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 in 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 in, in if, if this is something where these guy this guy's on his land with his camouflage outfit and most likely some sort of cartel drug and or human smuggling, right? How is it first degree premeditated? Um eventually two counts of aggravated assault against two men who claim they were with Quen the, the 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 person who was shot when he was were added. A February twenty fourth preliminary hearing resulted in Justice of the Peace Emilio Velasquez ruling that there is a that's interesting. He went to a he went to a JOP for a premeditated murder, first degree murder? What am I missing here? That sounds ridiculous. Um Brenna Larkin, representing Kelly, argued in the motion filed Friday that Velasquez was presented inaccurate testimony about Kelly's action and firing warning shots above the heads and his wife described as drug runners on their property within sight of their home. The motion asked for a new hearing whether the state had probable cause to prosecute Kelly age 74. I'm just going to tell you, as we go through this more, it's going to become more and more interesting. So... Tomorrow, no Larson. He's on vacay for spring break. U.S. Congressman David. And then one of the things Matt and I love to say the most, Hans von Spakowski. You bet. Love that. Double food Friday. Get the chopper. <laughs> and Vander Hayden. I mean, that's like Expendable 7 right there. But uh, remember on Friday, we have uh, triple food Friday. Uh, Inca, Peruvian, right? Fatima. Uh, the the boys from Vero's Italian Bakery and Matt and I on the air are going to make overnight oats. It's going to be wow. How do you do that again? Chef's kiss, baby.